Acts chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me. And then after that, you can go to Romans chapter 8. We're talking on the power to be his witnesses. We're after Pentecost and we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them. Notice he ordered them. He didn't suggest to them. He didn't hope for them to do this. He ordered them. So when you're ordered by the Lord, it's okay. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. All right, you can turn to Romans chapter 8, and I'll get there in a minute. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit came, we would have power to be his witnesses wherever we went. No matter where we went, we would be able to be his witnesses. And that sounds exciting at the beginning. And we think, oh, I just can't wait to be his witness. But you know what? We found out last week there's a lot of time between receiving that power and becoming his witness. All right. And that's OK. But, you know, we just think. When we read this, we think, oh, I'm going to do all these miracles. I'm going to go serve God. I'm going to, you know, do these great things. And yeah, you will do those great things, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. Okay? So don't give up on being his witness, but just realize that to become his witness, we're going to go through a transformation time. And uh, if you're like me. You don't like transformation unless it's going on in somebody else. <laughs> then you don't mind it. <laughs> and we learn that there's a whole lot of things that, are, that we're going to go through from the time that we receive that power until we become his witnesses. And all of that is designed to cause us to know God in a greater way. And... Um, One of the things that we learn is we need to know that we can endure whatever the enemy throws at us. You see, the enemy is always trying to bring difficulties to us. And he, he does it for this this, this is part of his goal when he throws those things at us. He wants us to take it personally. You see, when we take the, what the enemy throws at us and we take it personally, then we have fallen into the trap of the enemy. And so we have to learn not to take things personally in this world. Which is a tremendous struggle for us. And... The enemy can't overthrow God, and so the only thing he can do is pick on God's children, which are you and I. Whether we're saved or not saved, doesn't matter. We're still made by God. We, we still belong to him. And so the enemy just tries to come in, and he tries to wreak havoc in our life so that we take it personally, because he knows if we will take it personally, we'll blame it on God. 
And we looked last week that the word for power for the Holy Spirit is dunamis, which we get the word dynamite from. And I just want to remind you, it's a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we believe, when we become born again. And then we have to grow into it. Just because we're born again doesn't mean that we understand all of that power. You know, I shared when as cute as the babies are when they come, we want them to grow up. We want them to do great things. You have in mind as a parent great things for those children to do. And, and so we have to allow them to grow. You know, we want them to grow. I mean, I know they're cute when they're little, but we don't want them to stay there. We want them to fulfill the plan and the purposes that God has for their life. And we want to, and we need to teach them how to walk with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the key for us to live victorious lives now here on earth. But we have to learn His ways. We have to learn to be obedient. We have to learn to be submissive to the Holy Spirit. We need to be obedient and submissive to the Holy Spirit by learning to be obedient and submissive in the natural realm. Those who are in charge over us in the natural realm. Like our parents. If you don't learn how to be obedient to your parents, then you're going to struggle with being obedient to the, to the Lord and the voice of the Lord. We need to learn how to be obedient to teachers, to those who are older than us, who are over us, who watch over us, who protect us. Like policemen. You know, we need to be obedient and submissive to them. Like the laws of this world. And I'm going to pick on one in particular, speed limit signs. Yeah. You know, I have learned a lot through the years about people when I watch them drive. When I'm in the car with them and I watch them drive. I learn a lot. I find out if there's road rage in them. Which is very common nowadays. So how do we respond when people cut us off or slow us down? I look for that. If, I'm, if you're driving and I'm in the car, I'm paying attention to that. How do we respond when, and this happens at other churches, it doesn't happen here, so just know that I'm talking about other churches, people in other churches and people outside of other churches too. You know, we are self-centered. We make ourselves late and then we get in the car and then we drive like a mad person and then we find somebody who's going the speed limit that we think ought to be going a whole lot faster than the speed limit because we're late and we're trying to get past them, but we can't get past them and we get mad at them, but we were the ones who were late to begin with. I mean, and, and then we want to call them all kind of different things. You learn a lot. And 
I'm off that subject, but I just want you to know, our rebellion comes out sooner or later. And if it's not the speed limit sign, it's something else. All right? We need to be transformed. <laughs> when we give our life to the Lord, I mean, he's got a mess on his hands, right? I mean, we don't come to him because we got it all together, right? We come to him because we need him. And so there, there has to be a transformation that takes place in our life. We're going to begin to see it here in Romans chapter 8. But God wants us to be a witness in a world that is hostile to him. Okay? So that means he has to work deeper in us to be able to overcome what we're going to face in the world. Right? So Romans chapter 8, verse 10 says this. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, when we come to Christ, we come because of our sin. We're dead in our sin, but he makes us alive when we place our faith in him. He makes us alive. And it says that the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we receive the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of God. And so then the Holy Spirit gives us the power to rise above the sin of this world. And to live for righteousness. The righteousness that comes from heaven. The righteousness of God. And we get to live that now. We don't have to wait until we die and go to heaven to be able to be like Christ. We can begin that process now. Okay? When we receive Christ and we're born again and the Holy Spirit comes into us, we receive all of God's righteousness. All of God's righteousness fills us as much as the Holy Spirit fills us. And so that means we have the power to live righteously now. And then look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also, if I say will also, he will, will also give life to your mortal bodies. That's, that's these things. He's going to give us life. He's going to begin to rearrange things. He's going to begin to change things reshape things, remold things. He's going to do an inside work in us. But this is how He's going to do it. We'll also give life to your mortal bodies through. Everybody say through. His Spirit who dwells in you. And you know what's so amazing to me is um, the church minimizes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and we have to stop that. We have to be a people who give ourselves so much attention to the Holy Spirit so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Because it's Him who's going to do the transform, transforming in our lives. But we have to agree with Him. And if we don't even know He's doing anything in our life, then we're going to miss out on being transformed. If we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, 
if we have not learned to hear his voice and obey his voice, we will not find the life that the Holy Spirit offers us and the power of that life, the power of that righteousness. Humanity, this is how we would prefer things, that once the Holy Spirit comes into us, that we have arrived. We just want to believe that. We want to believe that we're born again and so everything is great in our life. And that we have become all that God desires for us. But that's not true. That's just the beginning. There is the working out of our salvation that we have to do. And that includes learning how to hear the voice of the Lord. Learning how to obey the voice of the Lord. And those things will cause us to become His witnesses. Just because we receive power doesn't automatically mean that we become His witnesses, even though that's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. But really, there's a time, there's processing that takes place between receiving that power and becoming His witnesses. And we have to get that. We have to understand that. And we have to know that the Holy Spirit is given to us to change us, but we have to agree with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We looked last week that the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can know that we're loved by God. You know, and I, I don't have time to go over that again, but it's so important that we understand that because we have to know that we're loved by God. And um, to this day, I have not met a human being who does not struggle with being loved by God. I haven't met anybody yet. So we all have that problem. We all have that issue. We all want to be loved by God. We know it theoretically, but practically, we still struggle with it. And we can't wrap our mind around the fact that God loves us unconditionally, but we only understand it his unconditional love in light of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because unconditional love always requires a sacrifice. And Jesus became that sacrifice so that God could love us unconditionally. But as we try to understand God's love for us and why He would love us, we need the Holy Spirit to enlighten us about that. And the reason is, is because as human beings, we base our love on how we have been loved in the natural. People will fail us. And so we have to learn not to hold it against them. I dare say that we have to learn not to take it personally. Sooner or later, we will all fail each other. And the question is really this. Will we still love like Jesus has loved us? And by ourselves, the answer is no. We will not love like Jesus because we can't. 
And the reason that God gives us the Holy Spirit and commands us to love one another is because we can't love one another like Jesus did without Jesus in us. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, because we're born again, then we have the power to love others. Only as we remember how much God has loved us. And we've touched on this in the past, but we're going to look at it a little bit more this morning. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to love others, even when they've harmed us. I'm not even going to make you raise your hand because I already know the answer. We all know the answer. All of us have been harmed by somebody before, right? Right. Okay. Yes, and we've all harmed somebody else too, right? Yes. By ourselves, we do not have the capacity to love like God. And so God gives us His Spirit through salvation through being born again and the Holy Spirit lives in us and we hear His voice and we obey Him. And then we begin this journey of of walking in love. And I just want to remind you, 1 John 4, 19, we read it last week, says that we love because God first loved us. Okay? There's no getting around that. The only reason you love is because God loved us first. And so, after our salvation, we can draw on the power of the Holy Spirit to love. Turn with me to John chapter 13, if you will, please. God has a different way of, He's got a different standard for love. Our standard is, I'm going to do to you what you've done to me. I'll love you like you have loved me. And where does that get us? Not very far. And so God comes along and he says, I want you to love like I have loved you. And so in John chapter 13, uh, he's going to wash the disciples' feet. They're at the Last Supper and, and he's washing their feet. And this is the standard that God has for us. And we're going to pick it up in John chapter 13, verse 12. When he... John 13, 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And I'm just going to put the answer in. No. Okay. They didn't understand. We're going to see that in just a minute. Okay. He washed their feet and this is what he says. Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And so he's making sure they're on the same page. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, here's the problem with what Jesus is telling them. This wasn't their responsibility. This wasn't their role to wash people's feet. It wasn't even Jesus' responsibility to wash their feet. It was the host place. They were responsible for doing that. And so Jesus is lowering himself to the lowest level of servanthood and washing their feet because the lowest servant is the one who washed their feet in those days. 
And so Jesus is lowering himself to the lowest form of servanthood. And then he says to his disciples, now you go and follow. Now, if you were sitting at that table, what would you do? You'd probably get up and leave. I've had enough. You want me to bend down and watch somebody? No. Verse 15. Remember, we're in a no complaint zone. Verse 15. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And look, this is what Jesus was trying to reveal to them as he was doing this. You don't have the power within you to to wash feet. I do, because at the beginning of this, we didn't read it, but Jesus says, knowing where he had come from and knowing where he was going, he did this. He knew that he was God. He knew he came from God. He knew that he was going back to God, to heaven. And this is the example that he's leaving them of love. Now, he's also letting them know it's not in you, but it's going to come. Because if you look back up in verse 6. John chapter 13, verse 6. When... Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet. Nobody complained until he got to Peter, and then Peter was like, oh, Lord, you don't have to do that. And he was like, no, I have to. And then Peter says, okay, then wash all of me. If you've got to wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus said, no, I don't have to do that. You're clean. You've, you've been well taken care of. I just need to wash your feet. And so this is what takes place. John 13, 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him. And this is what I want us to look at. What I am doing, you do not understand now. Everybody say now. But afterward, you will understand. But afterward, you will understand. Do you know when that afterward was? when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. You can read, especially through the Gospel of John, plenty of times when it says that they didn't understand, but after Jesus was resurrected, after the Holy Spirit came, then they understood. And Jesus is telling them, look, He said, you don't understand right now, Peter, what I'm doing. But there's coming a day when you're going to understand. And then if you keep reading down, and we're not going to, it says that Jesus told Peter how he's going to die. So, I mean, it's it's like, you know, he's he's getting it. And, And so I'm here to tell you, we don't always understand what God is doing. We don't always understand his timing and how things work. But this is what we can understand. God knows what's going on in our lives. He knows how to lead us and guide us. And he will get us to the right place at the right time. Just like we heard earlier before this message. Sometimes we don't want to be there. But you know what? Sometimes we need to be there. 
And God, if we're sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we will get there. I'm, I'm wanting us to understand we need the Holy Spirit every moment of every day. I want to remind you of John chapter 16, verse 7. And he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, it's so necessary for us to have the Holy Spirit. And yet then we downplay it. We minimize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We act like we can make it on our own. We act like we can live the Christian life on our own. You cannot. We cannot become like Christ without him in us and without us being attentive to the Holy Spirit and his voice and his leadings and promptings in us. It's impossible. You don't have it within you. You can't love like God if he's not in you. Back to John chapter 13. Verse 34. And this is towards the end. He says, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you. Now, look, this is right after he's washed their feet. This is right after he's leaving them an example. Okay? And then he says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And I'm sure they were looking around the room and thinking, oh, Lord, I need help. And he says, I know. And I'm going to say it. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But I'm here to tell you we can't do it without the power, without the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'll tell you, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and you become his witnesses, then you will fulfill the next verse. He says this in verse 35, John 13, 35. By this, what is this? By us loving others as God has loved us through Christ. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is impossible to love like Jesus without the Holy Spirit in us. We can't do it on our own. Without giving ourselves and cooperating with the Holy Spirit and His directions and guidance for our lives. We have to come to the place where we rest in the truth that we are loved by God and nothing can change that. Knowing we are loved by God is foundational to us progressing with an intimate relationship with God. This is the firm foundation that we have to rest on. Only out of that love relationship that we have fostered with God through the Holy Spirit can we fulfill the greatest commandment. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, please.
Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, we have a problem there. We are loving our neighbors as ourselves, but ourselves aren't fully loved by God yet. Hello. Jesus said we're to love God and then we're to love others as God has loved us. So if we struggle with being loved by God, what are we passing on to our neighbors? Struggle being loved by God. Somewhere we have to stop struggling and we have to submit to the fact that God loves us. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit in us, with us, talking to us, and us hearing Him and trusting Him by obeying Him. Not just in theory knowing that God loves us, but practically knowing that God really, really loves us. Listen, this is so important that we understand that we love God, we're loved by God, and we love others. This is key because in verse 40, Jesus said this after he gave those instructions. He said this on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he's not saying it. He's not concerned about how much we know, about how much we think, about how much we've done. It's have we loved God? Have we allowed God to love us? And have we loved others as God has loved us? That's the bottom line. And we don't have it in ourselves to love others. If we aren't convinced that God loves us, how are we going to convince somebody else? I mean, like, I don't think we think these things through all the time. We have to walk in the love of God ourselves before we can pass it on. You know, it reminds me of if you fly in an airplane and they tell you, put your, as adults, put your mask on first and then do your children. And, you know, we're sitting there wrestling with our mask, trying to put on somebody else's mask, too. When we if we would just rest in the fact that God loves us, put your mask on. He loves you. Then put somebody else's on. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. When others fail us, and we know that they're going to, when others fail us and we fail others, 
When difficulties come, we have to know that we are loved by God. And only then can we pass that love on to others. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to comprehend as much as we can and the power to grasp as much as we can God's love for us. And this is foundational for us because without this, we cannot love others properly. just want to remind you we're in a no complaint zone. Sometimes we put so much emphasis and so much expectation on our natural lives that we miss out on the supernatural love of God for us. We miss out on the reality that God really, really loves us. Turn to the person next to them and tell them, God really loves you. All right, if you have to turn to somebody else, somebody different, you can do that. But turn to the next person and say, God really loves me. Oh, what are y'all laughing at? You see, it's easy for us to tell somebody else God loves them, but it's hard for us to accept that God loves me. Here's what... Turn with me to John chapter 14. But here's what we do. We judge God's love for us based on our natural circumstances and our natural upbringing. Whether it be our birth, whether it be the upbringing that we have that, you know, your, your mom and dad left you, uh, they abused you. I mean, there's all kind of things, Okay. And we judge God's love based on the natural love that we have or haven't received. Okay? And we compare it to others that we think, well, if I would have been born into that family, I'd be, I'd be really a whole different person. Yeah, you would be. Wouldn't be any better. Just have different circumstances. Because if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. I remember a story of um, a guy who kept moving from city to city. And because he never liked the people, the city that he was in, he never liked his neighbors. And so he just kept moving and moving and moving. And one day he's going to a new city and he finds this stranger on the road from that city. He asked him if he was from there. He said, yeah. He says, well, what are the people like that are in that town. And the wise gentleman said to him, he says, well, what are the people like from the town that you're coming from? And so he started telling them how bad they were and everything else and complaining about it. And the guy says, that's the same kind of people that are up there too. So 
So we judge things based on the natural. And we judge God's love for us based on the natural. Based on what has been done to us. What hasn't been done to us. I, you know, and, and here's the crazy thing. This is how strange humanity is without God. I mean, even with them, we're strange. But we're even stranger with There are people who wish they had a mom and a dad. And then people who have a mom and a dad wish they didn't have a mom and a dad. Go figure. I mean, like, and I, as I shared last week, whatever comes our way, it is to draw us close to God. It's not to drive us away to God, but it's to drive us close to God. Somebody failed you, fine, but you have a heavenly Father who loves you with an everlasting love, and He's proven it. And He, he won't leave you. You know, I, I think that we have a, mindset, when we look at things in the natural, whether we had parents or didn't have parents, whether they treated us good or didn't treat us good, whether they had money or didn't have any money, it doesn't matter. Because the ultimate thing is, is God is the one who brought you into this world. He's the one who wanted you. And yet we walk around as if we're all alone. Our life is so sad. And it's just me and my problems. Like, I don't want to burst your bubble. But you're not the only one who has ever experienced what you're experiencing. You're not. Other people have. And I'll be honest with you, some made it and some didn't make it. But we walk around as if we're orphans. As if, you know, I mean, and we have this mind. Nobody loves me. If somebody would have loved me, I would have been fine. Somebody does love you. Somebody has loved you from the very beginning. And the problem is, is we try and figure it out in our natural mind. But we need a supernatural impartation to understand it to the point where we can rest in God's love. And that requires the Holy Spirit in us. We need the Holy Spirit in us. And we need to be attentive to the Holy Spirit in us. So that when people fail us, we don't take it personally. And we, and we can go to God and we can say, God, you know what? This is a horrible circumstance. And He's going to agree with you. He will. And if he doesn't come to me, I'll agree with you. If you had a horrible upbringing, I'll agree with you. But then what? Are you going to move on? Because the Holy Spirit, he's going to give us power. Well, and this is for a later message, but I'm giving you a little sneak peek today. He gives us the power to overcome. Well, that means we have to have something to overcome. And trust me, there's plenty to overcome in your life. If your life is anything like mine, there is plenty to overcome. And the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can be overcomers. In John chapter 14. 
Well, before I read it, isn't it funny that we can agree with our circumstances much more than we can agree with God and his word and what he says about us? I just want to remind you of that. You know, we are, we are settled on the fact that life has been hard and unfair in a, to us. We agree on that. But why do we struggle so hard to agree that God loves us? Because we base it on the natural. And we need supernatural to understand it. John chapter 14. Verse 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Sounds easy, right? If we love him, keep his commandments. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you for how long? Forever. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, if you keep my commandments, you can ask me, and I'm going to send. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him. For He dwells with you and will be with you. Okay? Let's just stop there for a moment. He's going to be... Jesus is talking about the Spirit of truth who's going to come to be with us. He's going to be in us. Okay? He's saying that I'm going to send him. All right? Verse 18. Isn't that awesome? This is Jesus' words. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Stand with me if you will, please. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who wants to take the orphan mindset away from us. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and He comes to live in us. We have to become settled in this. We have to know that we're not orphans. We are not alone. We are not lost. We are not here without a purpose. But the truth is, we belong to God first. And He really, really loves us. He really does. 
I encourage you to put that on your mirror this week. God really, really loves me. And if you don't know who me is, put your name on there. Because it's easier for us to project God loving somebody else than Him loving us. But we need to settle this issue in our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit love you and be sure of God's love for you starting now. And don't let the enemy rob you anymore and lie to you that God doesn't love you. When the truth is, He really, really loves us. He really does. The enemy, his, his job is made so much easier when we are convinced that God really doesn't love us. Then he has a heyday with our lives. We have to come to the place where we understand God really, really loves us. And I'm here to tell us we need the Holy Spirit. We need him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And thank you for your faithfulness to us. You're faithful to love us. Father, I thank you that nobody has loved us like you love us. But yet, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to keep revealing that love to us. And Lord, I pray that this week that we would begin to settle this issue of you loving us. Not comparing it to our natural upbringing and circumstances, but biblically knowing that you love us. You're the one who created us. You're the one who came here to save us. You're the one who desires to have that relationship with us and for us to be loved by you and to enjoy that love. And so you've given us the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to be settled. Help us to know that you really, really, really love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, have a great week being loved by God.